This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I am Josh Houts, and I am joined by my trusty co-host, Jake Mendel. Jake, how are you doing today, man? Josh, today is like a really big day. Um, as someone who works at a newspaper, I was, I was searching for a column idea, and, and I was pretty foolish because, you know, I woke up this morning, I, I booted up my computer, I went and got a glass of orange juice as both of us are starting to prepare for the day, and I, I looked my first thing on Facebook, and how could I forget that June 18th, at least I, I know you're not a big basketball guy, but rebound Bosch, back out to Allen, bang, tie game. One of the most iconic shots in NBA history just happened to be today. Uh, June 18th is a holiday. I remember exactly where I was that day and, and what made it so special, what makes a team like that 2013 Miami Heat team so special. And, and now all we really need is I need some dates I can sip in my head uh, about the Miami Dolphins and them you know, winning championships. Yes, we have Gronk didn't have the angle. Yes, we have the Michael Thomas game. Yes, we have the Dolphins scoring more, yard, or more points than the Houston Texans had yards back in uh, 2013 or 2014, I believe. I was at that game. I should know that. But... We really need those iconic playoff wins, and I'm hoping as we start to chat more about these different players we're going to go on about today, they're going to be part of that. They're going to be part of that in either the next couple of years, and we'll start have something, having some June 18th for uh, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, man, I can't wait for those days, and I know that you're too young to remember, but 
Uh, my fondest memories from 1994, they were playing the San Diego Chargers. Pete Stoyanovic shanked a field goal, and it was all downhill from there. I remember throwing a football against the wall. I broke down in tears. I was way too young to know what was going on, but that was the closest the Dolphins have got to the Super Bowl in my lifetime, in your lifetime. So let's hope that, you know, there are, uh, you know, there's a light at the end of this tunnel, and it seems like the Dolphins finally have everything kind of figured out. Things are slowly starting to come together. And the most unfortunate thing about all this is we still don't know the, uh, what's going to happen in 2020 and beyond because uh, we can't sit here and, and look past what's going on in this world. We know that a lot of places are reopening, and, you know, the numbers are slowly starting to creep back up. So is there going to be football this year? I think they're going to find a way to make it happen. But right now, they don't know when players are going to report. They don't know when training camp is going to start. And we don't even know when the 2020 season is going to start. So for as good as things finally look for the Miami Dolphins, they have to figure all those little things out before we can truly sit here and root for the Tua Tonga-Vailoas and, you know, the Austin Jacksons and all these pieces they brought in. But you're right, man. Uh, to have a moment like that, we're going to sit here and think back to a, a, mem- a memory in the Miami Dolphins that, you know, isn't a Gronk doesn't have the angle, isn't the Wildcat game, isn't these small little victories that ultimately led to nothing. We want championships, and I do think sooner rather than later, you know, that Miami, everyone starts to say it's a basketball town, that is slowly going to shape into a Dolphins town once again, and I cannot wait for that day to finally come. Yeah, and it's it's funny because right before the show, you know, we were, we were speaking about how long we wanted this podcast to go, but I mean, I think this is such an interesting topic because I think like these arguments aren't really worth having when you're arguing is it a basketball or football town? Just win, 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 and this and the city of Miami will root for whoever is winning, you know. And and I think that's a big thing here. And I, I love you mentioning uh, we could have just ended it there but but i love you mentioning the uh <laughs> throwing the football against the wall because it's those little memories that come with it you know i i remember just how i was pacing around the rooms and, and things like that and, and those are the kind of cool memories that really stick with you for uh such a, a long while and it just feels like that day lives forever in a sense of you know as a 25-year-old, you don't remember, for me personally, it's not like you remember every single day of your life, but to be, remember a day that specifically is always so special. So you, you kind of hinted at it. Today we're really going to, we're going to start with, of course, because this is a Josh House podcast, we're going to start with some Tua Tagovailoa talk. Uh, we, <laughs> always. We have, we have some of the news we've heard on the uh, regarding the 2020 season. Uh, little Madden video game chat, and then we're going to end it up with your questions that you have sent in to us. If you guys are interested in getting on in this conversation, chatting with us, asking the questions, even just giving the opinions that you guys are you know sticking with and, and really want to kind of have us build off of them, please, at Twitter, I am at jmental94, Houts is simple, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and at the Finsider. If you we at any of those with questions we will likely answer them at, on one of the podcasts either right now or in the future so be sure to do that so josh Tua's in miami let's talk about it yeah and people are making a big deal about him moving to south florida i mean that was pretty much inevitable the moment he was drafted but it does sound like Tua is finally in south florida but most importantly and this came out yesterday i think it might have happened you know earlier this week but he got into the building and he met with the Dolphins medical people. This is the first time they truly had a chance to look at him since, you know, I think probably back to the combine. I don't think they ever got a chance to bring him in like they had hoped before the the league shut down. But this was the first opportunity the Dolphins had to look at Tua Tonga According to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, it sounds like all systems are a go. 
And, I mean, this is big news because it happened back in November. You know, he took that hit. Two guys landed on him. And some people were comparing it to Bo Jackson. Some people said this was going to be that injury that could, you know, change his career. He may never play football again. And you just slowly started to see him progress. You know, whether it be these little throws with Trent Dilfer or at his pro day, he was a little bit off. Tuaton Valoa is healing faster than many people expected. You expect to hear from, you know, his physicians and his the, the people rehabbing with him, you know, all these great things. But now the Dolphins had a chance to look at him. It sounds like all systems are a go. I'm excited. And you mentioned it being a Josh House podcast. We have to talk about Tuaton Valoa. I'm sorry, guys. We're going to talk about Tua probably on every podcast, and rightfully so, because, again, this is the most excited that any of us should be for the Miami Dolphins in 20 years since they had Marino. So, uh, you know, I apologize, but I don't apologize because, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, things are finally starting to shift for the Miami Dolphins, and this start, it starts with Tua. If Tua's healthy, if Tua can go out there and take some reps in preseason, sit a little bit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick before they transition to the Tua Tonvalo era, I mean, that is the perfect situation. But I'm glad to hear this. I'm not surprised at all they moved to South Florida, but, uh, you know, I'm excited the Dolphins finally had a chance to bring him in and, and see how his hip is progressing because we heard that there could be that loss of blood flow, and that could be this huge crippling thing that could end up inevitably you know, ending his career. It seems like everything is a go on that front. Uh, nothing but good news out of, out of Davey on Tua Tonvaloa, and uh, you got to be excited to hear that stuff. Yeah, and it kind of brought up the other question too, or the other conversation, I guess I should say, of him going to the facility, you know, why is he going to the facility? I mean, I don't think facilities are open. Well, they're, they're starting to open up, and basically, I guess the, the long story short is if it's uh, required that the the, the, doc, the doctors de- seem, if the doctors deem fit, excuse me, that he is able to come in for rehab, and I mean, a dislocated hip, I mean, it's not going to get more of a, you know, an injury than that, so there's really no concern there about, you know, Miami trying to do anything shady or anything like that. It's just strictly business, but you, but you have to wonder... Does him being in that building right now put him a little ahead than, you know, maybe other rookies? Uh, you, you know everyone's been kind of having these uh, digital meetings and everything like that, but just getting to that comfort level, maybe he can do a little more when he's in there that, that other players couldn't. And we really can't, you know, say yes or no one way, but it's just kind of an interesting factor to put into this as we see the development of all the rookie, uh, all the entire 2020 rookie class really develop throughout the season. It's going to look different. Some might struggle out of the gate more than they should, and, you know, some might break out right away because they've gotten just the time they needed while their players have not. It's going to be a really interesting development. And I think it's going to be key for all of us to really not, you know, jump ship one way or another based on, you know, six weeks, six games or, or even a year. I think this is a really, really tough situation we're all in. And I think the, the best way to go about it is, you know, I, I can't wait till we're sitting here on, on June 18th, 2021. And things are, you know, quote unquote, hopefully, and I don't want to jinx everything, you know, normal. And we can start to develop some consistency for these guys and really see what's happening. But uh, moving on here, we're going to go to, uh, I, I, I looked up the story from CBS Sports here, and you mentioned it. Uh, if you want to give the breakdown here, and then we'll just kind of fill in as we go about the latest news regarding the 2020 season. Uh, specifically, there were some uh, Cowboy players involved with uh, a little COVID scare, I believe. Yeah, and this comes from uh, ESPN's Ed Werder. It says, multiple NFL coaches have shown some concern following the NFL's latest COVID-19 scare. Werder talked to three unnamed coaches about the situation, and all three of them offered a take that the NFL should find somewhat concerning. One coach said that the league needs to delay the start of the regular season, while another coach questioned the wisdom of trying to play full schedule during the middle of a pandemic. 
A third coach asked about the recent spate of players coming down with coronavirus and called the situation scary. And the thing that you're touching on is, I think it was even Ezekiel Elliott was diagnosed with COVID. It sounds like everything is, you know, he's healing just fine from that. But that has to be a little bit alarming because these players aren't even in the locker room right now, you know. And we heard about Dak's party. I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott had something to do with that. I think he might have even been involved in that, if I'm not mistaken. But if these players are coming down with this outside of football, outside of, you know, the facilities where there's going to be, what, 80, 90 players in close proximity, you know, they're, they're going to be right up against each other. We know how uh, a football is one of the more, um, you know, hands-on games of sports. You know, baseball, they don't even know what's going to happen with the baseball season right now. I think things are starting to finally look up. But you got a sport like the NFL where no matter how – far they social distance in that locker room once they get out there on the field it's going to be very hard to keep these players apart to keep them from you know exchanging sweat bodily fluids whatever it might be it's it's a very scary situation and i think you probably saw it going around on twitter someone had a mock mask of what it could it looked like a goalie mask it looked like they were going to go out there atv roading you know uh those old school atv games that used to play as a kid i mean i don't know what the nfl is going to do to to battle this this issue that is absolutely not going away but it has to be scary to a lot of teams that if your star player comes down with you know covid then what do you do and we know they're going to expand the practice squad but for me this is just one day at a time and we've never seen anything like this you know we mentioned that heading into the draft you've never had an offseason like this where players couldn't come to the facilities and meet with the coaches and the scouts they couldn't do x y and z this season is going to be very interesting to see how prepared the NFL can be to be ahead of this situation and then what happens when things alter and, and maybe don't go the way they expected. So there's a lot. There's lots to digest here, and I think every day it's changing. And, you know, by the time this releases, we might hear some some new things on, on the COVID-19 and everything going on. But this has to be scary to NFL teams and coaches alike. There, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, you can kind of say that, you know, three co- coaches isn't a lot, but, you know, that's that's 10% of the league. And, and that's, you know, enough concern to really have to, you know, sit down and question it. And, and you mentioned it's changing by day. And, and I think this is kind of, you know, I've been trying to, you know, tackle with myself. How are we going to know when this ends? You know, how how are we going to know, you know, we're finally putting this behind us. We're finally, the, the worries and fears are behind us. And I think, you know, you kind of hit it on the head where I think we're going to really wake up one morning and that's going to be it in the sense of, uh, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, some sort of vaccine or something where we can really detect and understand how we can, you know, safely treat people for this. Uh, and I have this here. I don't know how true this is. I haven't put too much info into it, uh, but the, that, account at the nba central um nba players will wear a quote-unquote smart ring at disney world per cnbc.com the aurora smart ring is capable of predicting covid19 symptoms up to three days in advance with 90 percent accuracy excuse me the ring can measure body temperatures respiratory functions and heart rate i mean something like this could help you know squash it for good i mean we're hearing about how you know, everyone's able to go back out and do things and how important it is just to simply wear a mask, even though, you know, some people don't want to do that. But it, I feel like we're kind of headed in the right direction in the sense of the technology that's coming out. And and the hope is come September after, you know, a relatively quiet training camp, everything will be d- good to go. But, but it's interesting how this is all kind of, you know, continuing to develop. And, and Roger Goodell is kind of stuck to his guns, this whole, in, stuck to his guns this entire uh, situation. In a recent uh, statement, he said, in preparing to play the season as scheduled, we will continue to make the best decisions based on the latest medical and public health advice in compliance with government regulations and with the appropriate safety safety protocols to protect the players, 
the health of our fans, players, club, and the league personnel and our communities. We'll be prepared to make any adjustments if necessary. But, I mean, he's been kind of sticking to his guns this whole time saying the season's going to start on time and, and that's going to kind of be that. You know, it's it's not really – he hasn't really given himself too much wiggle room to really slide out of that one. Yeah, yeah, and I think Dr. Fauci came out today and he also mentioned that, you know, it seemed like it was very unlikely that things would go on without a, a hitch. So – Again, lots to digest, lots of uncertainty surrounding the NFL season, lots of uncertainty surrounding everything in your everyday life. But, uh, you know, I think they're going to have a plan in place, and we will have football one way or the other, I believe, sooner rather than later. And, you know, we need we need football. If we didn't see anything during the draft, if, if that didn't open our eyes to how important sports really are to just everyday life, just taking your mind off of, you know, the troubles in, in the world. I mean, it is, it is huge, and, it, it, you know, whether the Dolphins are winning or losing, just to be able to sit there and watch the Dolphins is going to to raise everyone's, you know, excitement and, and just make everyone, as corny as it might sound, it's going to make everyone's lives a little bit better. And that's what we need right now in a situation like this. Yeah, and it gives people an opportunity to relate with one another, right? Uh, an opportunity to come together and chat about something that isn't going to, you know, no conversation you ha- have with someone uh, – unless it's an actual fight, you really should turn into an argument, screaming, yelling, but but a lot of the topics being discussed right now most certainly involve that. Uh, so so hopefully this is uh, that nice opportunity for people to really find some sort of common ground to really chat and, and realize that we're kind of all in this together. Uh, one other change that I think people need to keep in mind too is um, every team who plays in week two will also have the same bye week. For instance, Miami is hosting Buffalo in week two. They both have the same bye in week 11. So let's say, you know... Uh, Week one goes and it's kind of bumpy, and but they have an idea of, hey, we can fix, you know, X, Y, and Z. We just need a week to get all situated. Uh, they could simply have everyone, you know, use we- that week two as their bye week as they adjust. So so we can kind of see that week one be some sort of a, a testing ground, but but I'm sure more information and, and more clarity is going to come out about that as we go. Paying attention to SB Nation this week, it is video game week, and we have tried to touch on as many video games as possible uh, one game in particular that I mentioned was NFL 2K, and I don't know if you remember that game, Jake, but NFL 2K5 was $20. It came out a week before Madden 05, and it was probably the best NFL representation of a video game that we've seen since. And thanks to my brother-in-law, he hooked me up with updated rosters, and I got this thing running on my PC, and it is glorious. But with that said, this week, Madden 21 news came out, and I know that you've seen it, I know that I've seen it, and... It was very, very, very underwhelming, and I mean, it looked just like Madden 20 with updated rosters, as you'd expect. You know, they're heading into the next gen, and normally what we see with EA, with any game really, is they kind of take some of the time away from their current gen games, and they focus on what the next generation of sports gaming could be. So it was very underwhelming, but one thing we did see, and it wasn't even a second long, was Tua Tungvaloa in a Dolphins uniform. It was glorious. I'm a sucker. I'm going to buy Madden regardless. You know, you know, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to buy Madden regardless. It'll be a day one purchase like it always is. But God, that game looked just like last year's, and I kind of expected more, but but that's the fool in me. So, so go off. Tell me about your favorite NFL sports video game or your favorite video game in general, and then tell me how you thought about that Madden 21 uh, trailer that leaked that looked just like, you know, last year's game. You know, I'm gonna. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do it the other way around. I'm going to start with 21, and then we're going to kind of chat about – Chat about, you know, what I remember. Um, I think what they need to do is not put the bar so high. I think they need to accept what's happening here. And, and you know, EA kind of, you know, had to bite the bullet with the game. Uh, 
I'm going to go a little nerdy here, but the Star Wars Battlefront 2 game, which came out and was, you know, completely pay to play, pay to win. And, you know, they, they really took a step back. They spent, you know, years upon years readjusting that game. And some called it, you know, a fantastic game. And, and they're upset that they're stop updating it because it's had been such a wild success after the changes. You know, when they keep doing these releases about Madden and, and making it this huge deal, I mean, you're like, they're, they're the ones hyping it up. Like we aren't, we know what we're going to expect every year. And just what they're doing here is hurting themselves, right? If you keep saying, you know, this Madden really sneak peek of Madden, like, give us a break, right? You know, every game doesn't do this type of stuff. We know what to expect from a game like Madden. I know they have the money to do all this sneak peek stuff and, and everything like that. Instead, use it a different way. Instead, you know, they should really, you know, cut $20 off these games. If you really want everyone back playing Madden and everyone having a good time playing football games, you need to slice $20 right off the top just because you said it. You know, things are exactly the same. That's how it is. You're going to get some sort of corny, stupid story. You're going to have to pay to get these freaking packs for this game mode that I thought was an incredible idea. I thought the ultimate team was a genius idea as someone who loves his card games. That is awesome. You know, I spent time, I threw a couple bucks on it, but you know, you put in five bucks and you don't feel that, Hey, I feel $5 ahead of everyone else. Right. It's not until, you know, you're, you're, you look at your bank account. I haven't done this, but, and it's $200 in the hole where you're like, wow, I got a good Madden team. And this game's cost me $260. You know what I mean? So that, that I think would be the best way for them to go about it. Lower expectations, Give us our four, give us our absolute bare bones game and let us be happy with it because I think that's probably what 2K was. I mean, I don't remember that 2K5. I was in fifth grade at the time. So, I mean, I think I was just getting a PS2 for graduation that year. So I was a little behind in the video game scene early on. Um, and outside of Backyard Football, which is without a doubt the best game ever because I remember playing uh, Backyard Football. I think it was 99 on... Um, the computer and Dan Marino was in it. Rich Gannon, I remember, was in it. Barry Sanders, I believe, was in it. And that was a blast. That was uh, so, so much fun. And That's the one John- where they look like little kids, right? Like little cartoon characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got Pablo Sanchez, the goat in every single game. You know, uh, that that one was so much fun. I mean, I, I wish those games didn't die because it is cookie cutter, simple, and kind of just mindless fun. And my, I remember my first Madden, it had... Uh, I think it was Dante Culpepper on the cover. Uh, we got it from my dad. I think it was actually, it must have been Father's Day. It might have come around, out around this time, or it might have been the previous year. We got him the game and the controller so we could play together on the GameCube. And uh, I don't know if I've told it, but I've been ranting long enough. Maybe we'll get into me playing in a, a Madden championship one of these days uh, back in like 2011 or so. But But that basically sums it up for me. I mean, if we want to go over real quick our favorite players in terms of uh, video game uh, athletes, I think it starts and ends with uh, Reggie Bush. I think Reggie Bush is the most fun Miami Dolphin player I've ever gotten the experience to play with. So much fun, so agile, could really establish a running game with his different counters and sweeps. And the one thing Madden got right, and I think Reggie Bush did too, they could run between the tackles. I think Reggie Bush proved that, and he could do that in the game. So that that's my pick. I loved Reggie Bush. I think he really never will get the respect he has ever deserved. I'm going to throw two out there. The first one's going to be Ricky Williams, and you can pretty much, anytime he was in a Dolphins uniform, those dreads were flowing. He was probably the best running back in the game, or should have been, whether it be NFL Street, whether it be NFL 2K5, like I mentioned. I mean, he was unstoppable. He broke every tackle, could do a little bit of everything, and it was Ricky Williams. I mean, he goes down in history as probably, aside from Dan Marino, my favorite player on the Dolphins. Obviously, two is probably going to eventually take that. But I love Ricky Williams. And another one I have to throw out there, and I, I kind of mentioned it a little bit on Twitter, was Pat White. And I don't know if you remember. I know Chad Henney was the starting quarterback. 
the whole Wildcat, uh, you know, fascination. I think it was the first year they implemented that in Madden. But once you threw Pat White in there, I mean, you could uh, – I would always spread out the defense. I think I go to five wide receivers, and, you know, they, there probably wasn't anything open, so you're running with Michael Vick. Or, uh, <laughs> he did remind me of Michael Vick. You're running with Pat White, and I think he was probably the most explosive quarterback that the Dolphins have had since Dan Marino in a video game because, again, what he could do with his legs. So, for me, those are my two favorite uh, Dolphin players in a Madden game or in a NFL game. And, you know, you could sit here and talk about Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, and the list could go on and on, but – Ricky Williams, you know, uh, Reggie Bush, or Pat White, like I said, he would be my X Factor. Those were some of the best players that they've ever had in, in a video game. And let, let's just hope, you know, that's not the end of it. Let's hope Brita this year in Madden feels a lot like Reggie Bush. And let's hope Tua feels a lot like Michael Vick, even though he doesn't have the same speed. Well, you, you know, don't want to compare him to Pat White? <laughs> you don't want to say let's hope Tua's Pat White? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I, guess I kind of... All right, let, let's just transition out of that because I, I don't even want to think about him taking that same hit and just being lifeless on the sideline. That was that was uh, tough. That was that tough. Was... I I remember that one for sure. Damn, that was a good way to really really dampen the dampen the moment. Yeah, let's, let's listen let's... to our ads. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament tonight. We'll break down. We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Okay, so we'll, we'll take a minute to recompose here by saying uh, we're, we're going to jump into some questions here, and be sure you can tweet at any of us on Twitter. You'll get some sort of response. At uh, jmendel94, at houts, at the finsider. Uh, and then you could be here and join the conversation. Uh, and also, another way to ask questions, give us that five-star review, baby. Go hit that five-star review. Hit that subscribe button. Leave that review. Put your question in the review, and we'll look at it that way. So here we go. Josh, you want to start with the first question here? Yeah, because I have butchered Brian's name every time I brought it up. So here we are. Brian Byrne asked, first he asked why we haven't signed up for his Fanatics Fantasy League. I know I'm in that. He told me if you want to get in that, he will make a spot for you. So... Consider it. If if you want to lose money, you can consider it. But Brian asked, how do you see the secondary lining up? Will it be fluid and just have five best players back there? Or will we see a straight nickel, free safety, and strong safety? Who wins a third cornerback spot, Needham or Noah Igbenogany? I'll let you answer that one first, and then I'll just kind of you know tie it all together. I'll start with the Fantasy League because I, I, I have seen it, and I am interested. It's just I need to – right now it's like yes season, right? Um, they, they say yeah. there's there's never a bad time to buy a car because, you know, you, you just do it at any time. Well, you say yes, you know, 10 times, all of a sudden you're in 10 fantasy leagues, right? And, and all of a sudden you're in this hole and then you're miserable by week four and you stop playing at all of them and you're down. 
you know, nothing crazy, a couple hundred bucks or whatever. Uh, so I'm, I'm into it. I'm open. You know what? Uh, since, since he's always been, you know, really good to us, especially given his questions, sign me up. I'm in. Just if someone already has a spot, they can have it. I don't want to, don't want that to be the reason I get in. But if there's a spot open, I will happily take it with a smile on my face. Uh, how do I see the secondary lining up? Man, that's what every offensive coordinator is going to be asking this season because I don't think it's just going to be the five best players back there. I think, you know, we're going to see six, seven, <laughs> maybe even eight sometimes with the depth this team has. I think that that's one of the, that might be the question of this offseason, question for the 2020 season. Yes, you know, the, the umbrella question of the future might be regarding the quarterback position, but for 2020, it's how on earth are they going to get all these players on the field? Um, and then moving forward to who wins the third quarterback or cornerback spot, it's got, I'm going to go Igbenogany. I think he just fits that mold better where I think Needham did look great, kind of, you know, especially against those short passes over the middle. I think he does have a good twitch, but but I think, uh, you know, Igbenogany was a first-round pick for a reason. I think he's just so explosive. And, again, I think he's going to be beat a couple times, but I think he's going to, you know, go for that risk-reward as a slot corner as maybe your you know fourth or fifth cornerback and really make the most out of those opportunities. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with Brian Flores and what he's kind of preached since he got here was versatility. So I think we cannot really sit here and say, you know, we're going to see this guy line up here on this amount of plays and vice versa. I do think there's going to be a lot of versatility in that secondary. I completely agree with you. I think Igbenogany will win that third spot. Again, it has a lot to do with the situation. Is he going to come into camp and immediately take that over? Or is Nick Needham, you know, a veteran, a guy that we saw step up when he was called upon because, again, you know, Xavier Howard went down. Nick Needham stepped right into that role, and although he wasn't this elite shutdown corner, he played pretty damn good for an undrafted free agent. So I'm excited to see what Nick Needham does in year two. We see the videos coming out just like we do with Jakeem Gray. You know, he's a workout warrior. He's doing all these things this offseason. So I think it's going to be more of a competition, and we can truly, you know, sit here and uh, that many of us expect it to be. I think Nick Needham could absolutely steal that third cornerback spot, but if my money was on one of these players, I think Igbenogany in the long run will be that nickel guy, and I think that's why he was drafted. Will we see a straight-up free safety? I think that's absolutely going to be Bobby McCain. I think the Dolphins drafted, like we mentioned last week, for him to be the future at free safety, and whether he can step up or not, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. We know he was banged up last year. Can he take over the free safety position as he is expected to? Because we saw him get that huge contract as a nickel corner. He actually was pretty damn good as a nickel corner, and then he transitioned to free safety, and things just kind of fell apart, and a lot of that had to do with his, his injury. Strong safety, I think we again touched on that a little bit last week. It's going to be a toss-up between Brandon Brandon Jones and Eric Rowe. I think in passing situations, it will absolutely be Eric Rowe. We saw him shut down some of the best tight ends in football last year. The one that sticks out most to me is just how he erased Zach Ertz in that Eagles game. So I think he's going to be the strong safety. You're going to see Bobby McCain at free safety, and we'll see Noah Igbenogany eventually supplant Nick Needham. But I see no reason why Nick Needham can't at least compete for that, that third, uh, nickel spot. And not even, you know, take it over early on because, he, again, he showed that he was uh, very good last year when called upon. And I think he could also fit that role good. So uh, it, it's tough to sit here and say, especially without seeing the way these guys look at and at least shorts this year, you know. And it's going to be an uphill battle for these rookies to get in there and really take over a starting spot right away. The next question is from Lane. And I don't know if you watch Top Chef. I am a diehard fan. For those that don't know, I am classically trained in culinary arts. I went to school for it. I've been a chef for 20 years now. I just kind of run the daddy daycare thing. But he asked who will win Top Chef. Do you watch Top Chef? Let's just get that out of the way first and foremost. Do you watch Top Chef? 
Uh, just, just, just. Uh, I'm gonna backtrack you for a second. Be sure to give Brian a follow on Twitter at b r i n b y r n e s i e. And Lane, it can be found. So Lane, Lane's pretty simple. Uh, at l a n e underscore. Um, I put this question here. I didn't even know you're a fan. I honestly was just gonna say because I, I haven't seen it. Josh, you're gonna win top, top chef. That, that's really what my answer was gonna be. I like that answer, and I'm actually going to make tater tots and uh, uh, steak sandwiches when we get off the phone, I believe. But uh, I, I do watch Top Chef. It's kind of come down to Brian Voltaggio. I believe her name is Melissa King, and then Stephanie. I want to see the underdog. I want to see the upset here. I want to see Stephanie take it all, but Brian Voltaggio has been a two-time runner-up. So it, to me, he's the most talented chef out of the group. I, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Whoever wins Top Chef is more than deserving, but I want to see the underdog. I want to see Stephanie take it home. I, I honestly have heard <laughs> I know, that. Uh, I know people are listening to this and they're like, "What? What did he just say?" <laughs> I heard. I heard that Stephanie might be a little, little too, uh, little too shy of the spotlight, so so that might get in her way. That that that's what I've yeah. heard. She's a, she's a real gym rat. Yeah, you heard that also. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question, Lane. Uh, all right, moving on to uh, his name on Twitter. It's an emoji, but I think it's gonna go ballin, and it's at Colin underscore Thomas. <laughs> That's a very um, unique name right there. Ballin. I like it. I'm actually a huge fan of the emojis in the name. Who had the best rookie season behind, besides the GOAT? Tua, you got to pronounce that way. I, I don't know how to pronounce Tua's it's, name that. Yeah, I got nothing. I can't pronounce his first name. Still working on it. Yeah, that. so so Tua Tungavaloa, uh, outside of him, who's going to have the best rookie season? I'm actually going to kind of... I don't know if this is a cop out answer, but but you know we we spoke about the offensive line and the types of like uh, Austin Jackson. They're gonna struggle a little bit, and that's to be ex- that, uh, we're all gonna expect that, and we're all gonna be okay with that. Like these guys aren't polished. Um, I think it's gonna be Igbenagni just for the fact I think he's going to make some really plays plays that you're gonna be seeing on Twitter accounts on Monday mornings of you know top five best interceptions or top five pick sixes uh, of, you know, week four or whatever, whatever it may be. I think he's really going to provide us with some highlight plays. I think there might be some lows with that. Like I said, the risk and reward, but I mean, he is just in such a prime position in that secondary to really be aggressive, really just rely on that instinct and really be himself. And I think that's going to result into big plays. And that, that that's got to be like a safe pick, I'd say for me. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that pick. I, I like that pick. For me, I'm going to go a little bit out there more, I guess, and I'm going to go with Curtis Weaver, right? guys that we talked about being a steal fall into the fifth round. Again, this is Pro Football Focus's 26th overall player. The guy is just he's, – he's a sack monster, and we know the Dolphins absolutely need that presence on the outside. I don't know where he's going to fit into the Dolphins' defense. I think he's going to be one of those guys that gets moved around. He can play inside, can play outside. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that's called upon to go in there and get to the quarterback. And if if college was any you know, representation of what we can expect in the NFL, I think that Curtis Weaver could make an impact and could do it relatively quickly. You know, to, to be a pass rusher, just go out there and, you know, own in on the quarterback, I mean, maybe that's a little bit – Maybe it's not even me to say here and say that that might be easier for a guy to do than to go out there and learn uh, the the overall aspect of the defense. And for me, I'm excited about Curtis Weaver. He wore that Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt when he signed his contract. So I'm going I'm going with Stone Cold Curtis Weaver again. That question was at Colin C O L L I N underscore Thomas T H O M A S. Thank you for your question. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. The next one is from Pacific Fin Fan One. The dream is here. And he said, your thoughts on the six wide receivers this season? 
He has the unicorn, Devontae Parker, and Jakeem Grant as a three locks. What are your What are your thoughts on that, Jake? I think it's interesting that uh, he has Grant as a lock and not Albert Wilson. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I think when someone like Albert Wilson takes such a cut in his paycheck to return with the team, I don't think there's any chance he doesn't make the team. I think uh, Albert Wilson probably could have gotten even a little better deal than he currently has on the market. I would kind of, I'd say those four... And then after that, man, it, it, it gets really, really tough. I think Isaiah Ford is going to make a great push. And I think Alan Hearns, who I believe he, he received a new contract after a couple of games under Brian Flores. So when you think about it, Devontae Parker and Alan Hearns are the only two that were, you know, quote unquote, chosen by the staff in the sense of, you know, Parker got a deal by this staff and so, so did Hearns. So I think those, Hearns is going to have to be a lock too. But I mean, I still think there's still one spot open there and, and I'm going to need your help fill, filling it out. Yeah, man, that's a good point. I kind of always forget about Alan Hearns, and you mentioned he just got a brand new contract. So what does that say about how the Dolphins front office felt about him? This is a loaded room, and I mean, is it crazy to think, you know, they might end up keeping seven wide receivers? I mean, I I don't know, and I think a lot of it comes back to what's Malcolm Perry's role. I mean, he's listed as a running back, so it's all schematics here. You mentioned Preston Williams is a lock. Devontae Parker's a lock. I do agree with you. I don't know that Shaquem Grant's more of a lock than Albert Wilson because they've restructured Albert Wilson's contract. And despite what you see coming out of, you know, this offseason, we see Shaquem Grant doing all these awesome routes saying, I'm not just a return man. I think that a healthy Albert Wilson, I'd put him above a Jakeem Grant. And I think those two players are kind of interchangeable in that in that regard. So I think you got to look at the unicorn, Parker, Grant, Wilson. You mentioned Isaiah Ford. I'm a huge Isaiah Ward, Isaiah Ford fan. Gary Jennings, that's a guy the Dolphins picked up last year. He's a, an explosive player, a guy that can play in the slot, made most of his work in college out of the slot there at West Virginia. So I think Gary Jennings is going to make this roster. And again, we don't know about some of these other guys, you know, Mac Hollins, the list goes on and on. I mean, if you look at the Dolphins wide receiver depth chart, I mean, some of these names, many people might not even recognize. So again, a lot of this is going to play into the fact that now they have this expanded practice squad roster. So what can they do there? Can, can they throw Gary Jennings on there and, and be content? Isaiah Ford, he probably is not eligible for the practice squad. I'd have to look that up. A lot of, uh, you know, it's going to come down to the way these guys perform, obviously, in training camp. But I think the locks are the unicorn, Parker, Grant, Wilson, Isaiah Ford. And then from there, it's just kind of a toss-up. Again, that it, that question came from Pacific FinFan one Great question. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Next one comes from Bork Sauce, JJ, at <laughs> B-O-R-K Sauce. And he says, if Rosen becomes uh, – that is Bork too. Sauce, right? I, I, I don't – Yes. It's, it sounds like Bork is Bork. I, I love these names. I mean, this might be the best part about – if Rosen becomes a competent quarterback in preseason under the new offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, should the Finns try to sell high or try to hold on and add depth at the position – for the foreseeable future. I'll let you answer that one first because I'm a Josh Rosen stand, so this one's going to be a little bit hard for me to, to, to wrap my head around. You know, if I knew the right answer to this, I'd be a general manager in, in the National Football League, but I'm just uh, I'm just a fan, so we're going to try our darnest to crack this one open here. So you have to wonder what type of playing time Rosen's going to see. Is he going to get second-string snaps? Is he going to drop to third-string snaps? And can you really sell someone high who's getting third-string snaps? Yeah, probably he's a quarterback and a few, uh, former first-round pick. So it really, I don't think it would take a lot to trade Josh Rosen, right? But I think the question is, what is selling high? Is it getting your second-round pick back? Can you trade him for a first? 
can a team believe in him and think he's the guy and all of a sudden they're willing to, you know, trade a, you know, a big shipment for him? I don't know. I really don't know. But I, I wouldn't hold out hope that, you know, or I would hold out hope. I think he can still be a competent uh, quarterback in the National Football League. And honestly, they say that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But if, if Rosen seems comfortable in a Chan Gailey offense and you have Ryan Fitzpatrick and you have Tua, sure. If you have, They say if you don't have two quarterbacks, you, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, if you have three, hopefully one of them's a future Hall of Famer. I guess, I guess that's the best way to go about it. I think Rosen is going to be one of the most interesting storylines storylines to follow maybe not necessarily for like the the casual fans and i'm not here to try to rate people's fandom i mean i think a lot of people are going to be looking at the new guys and and to the rookies and how they're going to grow but i mean rosen is a very interesting story and how that's going to unfold and what he can mean to the team's future i mean i still think it could be as you know he's cut by the you know the end of it when he you know is all this guaranteed money's up or, you know, he becomes the backup for the next 15 years. You know, he could become a an icon like John Denny was. You know, he could be that guy who's always there to come in where Tua gets a little injury, he's nicked up for a couple weeks, someone has to come in. It could turn into that. I think the, the case of Josh Rosen is, is nowhere near answered. Yeah, the curious case of Josh Rosen. I mean, it's it's going to be something that, that we have to look after and keep an eye on throughout preseason. It, what the biggest thing to me is this is yet again another offensive coordinator in Josh Rosen's you know laundry list of new offensive coordinators that he's just ever it's ever changing with him and you kind of feel bad because he's just never been settled in and had that consistency at probably the most important thing for a young quarterback this is a guy that I love to mention is younger than Joe Burrow no I'm not comparing him talent wise to Joe Burrow but a couple years ago I mean this guy was a top 10 draft pick so What's selling high? To me, I mean, what could he possibly do in preseason that would net you back your second-round pick? I just don't see there's any way, barring some massive injury, and, you know, he goes out there and is near perfect in whatever preseason games we do get to see. But I think right now you're looking at, at best, a fourth-round pick for Josh Rosen. And you mentioned it, how important those backup quarterbacks are. You know, how... Where would the Chiefs have been last year without having a backup quarterback? You know, a, a Matt Moore, even a Chad Henney, you know, they kind of stepped in there and, and did some things when they needed to. And you can look down the list of NFL teams that have had to have those backup quarterbacks come in there and win key games. So I, I just don't know that you part ways with him for a fourth-round pick, not for as cheap as he is, not for as young as he is. And we got to look at this long-term. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have many years left in him. He's under contract for one more year. He's made it of, you know, he's been adamant about how he just cannot wait to be done and to be able to go back to Tampa and be with his family and his hundreds of kids. Yeah, I think he has less kids than Aaron Sutton, so it might not be 100, <laughs> but it's it's pretty close. But you got to eventually see that Ryan Fitzpatrick's not going to be in that Dolphins quarterback room, at least not as a player. So What's a long-term goal there? I mean, they have Jake Roddock on the practice squad. Is he that future backup quarterback of this team? I mean, I don't know, but you invested a second-round pick in him. No, it wasn't, you know, they traded back with New Orleans, so they recouped a second, and then they parted ways with that. So I don't know that was a true, here, I'm giving you the second-round pick, but I think he needs to be given an opportunity, and I think he needs to have that chance to prove that he can to be at least a backup quarterback, like you said, because, again, we've seen how important it is. We know that if you look at Tua's history, it's as many of us want to try to turn our heads the other way. He has been injured uh, behind the Dolphins' offensive line. Who knows what's going to happen? But to have Josh Rosen, a guy that's young, a guy that can 
you know, learn this system. I think he's flourished in the, you know, the spread type offenses. So maybe this is the best situation for him. I, I don't know, but for me, I don't think there's anything he could do in preseason that could get you that sell high. And for me, I think a fourth round pick's the best you're going to do. And, and I'm personally not giving up Josh Rosen for a fourth round pick. Two, um, I just want to hit on this quickly. You, when you talk about, you know, not even just, uh, I'm going to talk about Chan Gailey here, but when you talk about anybody's, you know, career path, right? It's always, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And when the Dolphins brought in Gailey, it was because, you know, the Dolphins are a young team and he runs a simple offense. So when this is like a three, four-year-old team in the sense of, you know, Tua's in his fourth year and so on and so on, what what is, what is the Dolphins just move on from Gailey and find a more complex offense? Like, like what what is the, you know, if, if you were to ask Chan Gailey right now, where do you see yourself in five years? Is it still say say yes success? Is it still the coordinator of the Miami Dolphins? I I I don't know. I mean, you'd have to think just like with Brian Fitzpatrick. I mean, you have to think that Chan Gailey came out of retirement to be the that Dolphins offense coordinator. To you know, what is he? Who is he grooming to take that spot? Because he cannot be looking. He's six. What is he? Sixty eight. I think 68. I mean, I mean, how much longer does he have? He's never going to be. He's not getting another head coaching job. And I think after. If the Dolphins do choose to go a different direction, eventually, I think, you know, that that would probably be the end of Chan Gailey in the NFL. So uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. But fair, fair enough. I just thought I just thought that was interesting because, you know, you, you like it's not belittling to say his offense is, is simpler, but like you it's bring him in. Why, yeah, it's literally why they brought him in, because Ch- Chad O'Shea's was too complicated. So, so yeah. like. Do they eventually graduate from uh, get or whatever? Whatever. I just think that'll be a cool conversation. Maybe we'll put that in the uh, in the books for a later day. Uh, we have a hat trick here to close the books from someone who is always always giving us questions, and we can't be more grateful for him. At Rob Caruth, R O B C A R R U T H. So let's start with the first one. Josh, let's go through these pretty quickly here. Um, on paper, which was which was the most improved unit this offseason? Got to be offensive line, right? They picked up Eric Flowers in free agency, Ted Karras in free agency, and then they went and they invested the 18th overall pick on Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley. You know, that has to be the offensive line because they were the 32nd-ranked unit last season. You, you can only go up from there. Oh, man. I, I thought it was going to be a lock for the secondary. I, I, I just think, you know, you can't – like, you can say that the, the Dolphins' offensive line maybe went from, like, a – a six. Let's use Madden here for example. A sixty-eight overall. Let's say they're up to a seventy-seven. But that that secondary maybe went from like an an eighty to like a ninety-four. You know, and, and just for a sake of making these comparisons, I think you can't ignore what they've done back there. And and that's Brian Flores' baby. You know, we mentioned Adam Gase getting all his toys on offense when Adam or when Albert Wilson came in and whatnot. I mean, th- this is this is the Miami's current version of that with what Brian Flores has in that secondary. The, he is a secondary coach. This is going to be so interesting to watch. I'm gonna go secondary, but but I guess you know I was wrong. I think I you can most certainly make a case for uh, offensive line. Yeah, I, I don't think either of us are wrong. I think, you know, you got brought in Byron Jones, who in my opinion is better than Xavier Howard. You invested a first-round pick in Igbenogany. You know, you, you dressed Brandon Jones. I mean, it, it really is a coin flip, and it's hard to sit here and say without actually seeing the way the units perform. I mean, Austin Jackson's going to have learning curves. Hunt's going to have learning curve. Kinley, who knows what they even have a plan for him. But to, to me, I just see a 32nd-ranked unit that allowed, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the leading rusher, and I have to think that they got significantly better, but we, we've been wrong before. <laughs> and we'll be wrong again. 
Um, who do you expect to be the most improved player of the season? Anyone you're worried about taking a step back? Uh, most improved, I think Christian Wilkins. I think that just, it screams what, what they've done to kind of solidify a defense around him. And it doesn't, you don't need like the, the stars, uh, edge rushers. You know, I, I think people like Shaq Lawson, you mentioned the potential of Curtis Weaver. Um, I think, you know, they have a good system around him where I think he's due. Like, there was a reason he was drafted so high. I think those silly penalties he had, you know, I, I think he actually had a stretch where there were three or four games in a row where it was, there's the, you know, Christian Wilkins penalty of the week, and it was a little disconcerting. But overall, I thought he was a pretty strong player. He really flashed, and with uh, more talent around him, an interior defensive lineman is just going to start to eat more and more. Yeah, and I'm a little bit upset with how many people, you know, were honestly saying Christian Wilkins was a bust after that first season. I mean, again, it's something that we've seen with the Nadamik and Sue signing. You know, people always, for some reason, they look at, at that defensive tackle position and then equate it to sacks, and that's just not how it plays out. So, I mean, I think Christian Wilkins probably would have been my answer. I'm going to go with Albert Wilson because how can you not be the most improved? You know, after what happened last year, he was coming back from that injury, slowly working his way back. I just can't get that image out of my head. You know, him and Jakeem Grant high five, and you know that – that little dump off in that Chicago Bears game where he just outran the entire defense. I mean, I was a huge Albert Wilson stan. I think he can be the most improved, and I think the Dolphins have, or, you know, they they have faith in him because they they reworked his contract. He has faith in the Dolphins, and I think he wants to be here. And I'm excited to see what they can do with him. You know, we see Tua. We constantly heard how he excels these quick slants. Give me those quick slants to Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson all day long. I I would eat that up. Last question from Rob Carruth. Which undrafted free agent has the best chance of sticking with the team? I think Kirk Merritt's definitely up there. A lot of people kind of want to attribute that to the whole Preston Williams effect. Benito Jones, though, that's kind of the guy that sticks out to me. Again, this is a uh, interior defensive line player, a guy that I've, I've heard of him. I, I did some studies on him. And, I mean, that to me, if, if I was actually – if I heard about Benito Jones before, you know, he became an undrafted free agency, uh, free agent, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. And I think this is a guy that had all the talent. He kind of – made a name for himself at, and excited to see what he does here with uh, the Miami Dolphins. Honestly, you hit the nail on the head with the undrafted free agents. I couldn't agree more, but you did skip one. So so let's close it out here. Anyone you're worried about taking a step backwards? And for me, I mean, Devontae Parker. I mean, 2019 was so incredible. It was so much fun to watch. But, I mean, it was one season. It was his fifth year in the league. Yes, you know, you could argue that Brian Flores is the best coach he's ever had. But there can't be, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for it, and I'd love for him to have that season again. I'd love him to go down as one of, you know, the top three receivers in Dolphins history. But until I see that consistency year over year, I think we have to be a little concerned that he might be a player who could potentially take a step back. Yeah, I, I mean, people are, we sat here and we had this argument with the whole Michael Thomas thing. People were already putting Devontae Parker in the same sentence as him. You see the hype around him, and I think people forget, you know, he only did it for one year. So let's see what he can do this season. I'm going to go with Nick Needham. You know, I sat here and said how he could have the potential to, to take Igbenogany's uh, compete with him for that nickel spot. Who's to say Nick Needham doesn't take a step back? You know, year two, sophomore slump, there's potential there. But, I mean, it's I think Devontae Parker is the right answer to that question. I, I agree with Needham too. I think that's another one. Um, it, it's it's. I, I think there's a you know. I go back to this mostly because I'm salty about you know Madden. Go figure. But I think there's like a Namdi Asma effect uh, in the sense of when he was in Oakland. You know, um, he he was touted as this you know outstanding wide or uh, cornerback. Uh, well, the Raiders were not the great greatest team at that time, and there was really nobody else to. 
uh, really cover guys. So if are you gonna, you know, I'm not trying to bash him in any way, but are you gonna throw out the guy who ready is mad and lingo again just for the sake of m- making it easy? Are you gonna throw to the guy that's an 85 overall, or are you gonna throw to the guy that's a 70 overall? Obviously, you're gonna pick on the 70 overall, and the 85 overall is gonna look even better because you know he's he has his guys not getting all the looks, you know. So that's something I worry about with Needham if he's the guy who's quote unquote gonna get picked on. Can he really take those punches and punch back? Yeah, time will tell. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, again, this was Rob Carruth. Follow him on Twitter at Rob, R-O-B-C-A-R-R-U-T-H. And as we've said in previous episodes, Carruth, thanks for your questions. <laughs> I think I think these were some of the better questions that we could have asked for. Again, if you have questions for us, reach out at, at jmendel94. I'm at House, even at the Finsider. DM us. But most importantly, if you listen to this podcast, please rate, subscribe. Tell all your friends about it. Give us that five-star rating. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Jake and Josh show. This is the Finsider Network. Josh just said it, but we're going to say it again. Five stars. Give us those ratings. It was a blast talking with you this week, Josh. Listeners, thank you so much. We're getting closer to football. Most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins